we're uh, we're kind of uh, closing this series uh, called Unshakable Hope. There's probably a lot more that could be said on it, but but today we're going to end with this message, and uh, then we'll move into something else. So um, let's just go to prayer right now, okay? Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for um, your presence in our lives, Lord. We thank you for this uh, opportunity to worship you together as the people of God. Thank you that uh, you said wherever two or three gather together in your name, there I am in their midst. And so we know you're here in a unique way because your people are gathered together in your name. So Lord, we ask and pray that you would uh, visit us in a special way, Lord, in a sense of just, uh, Lord, help us to uh, just to be connected to you, to hear from you, from your word. Lord, we we want to also just ask that your spirit would fill us, that you would uh, uh, encourage us, strengthen us, challenge us where we need challenge, Lord, and, um, and we invite you to do that. And Lord, we just pray, God, that you'd help us uh, to just have a heart, to, to live a life that's pleasing to you. And Father, we also want to pray for our brothers and sisters or family members who are, who are really needing your healing touch right now. We, their bodies are are ailing and they're fighting disease, whatever it might be, Lord, we ask that you would be a very present help to them in trouble, as it says there in Psalm 46, Lord, that you, though the earth should shake and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, you are there with us in, the, in those challenging times. So, Lord, we pray for healing. We pray, God, that you would just let them know, those who know who are struggling in fighting sickness, Lord, that you are there with them. And so, Lord, we, uh, we also just pray, Lord, for uh, just uh, spiritual strength that you'd help us, Lord. Maybe it's been a very, maybe we feel like we've lost some battles this week, uh, spiritually speaking, and it's been tough. And so, Lord, we just thank you um, for the forgiveness that's in Jesus. Thank you that for your spirit who strengthens us in our inner man, as it says in your word. And so, Lord, I just ask now that you would fill me, you would help me to emphasize what you want emphasized today in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, this morning we're going to talk about, uh, in relationship to the topic of hope, we're going to talk about death and unshakable Christian hope. Uh, This all has to do with how the Christian views death and uh, what's to come and uh, how, as believers in Jesus Christ, if we have a relationship with God through Jesus, how we need to be viewing death. And so you may say, well, this is a cheery subject. But you know what? Uh, we're all going to face it, okay? And, um, and so it's something that we do need to think about. And as Christians, uh, I think how we think about it properly is going to help us as we face that reality, Right? So uh, the passage we're going to be in this morning is in 1 Thessalonians in, um, in chapter 4, starting in verse 13. So if you're able uh, and you would like to, would you please stand for the reading of the Word, word of God? So we do this in honor of God's Word. And so I'll read this passage for us here out loud, starting in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Verse 13, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, 
God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you, for you know quite well the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as the pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us be, let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. So a couple things uh, that would be good to kind of get out of the way before we look at this passage, uh, just regarding death in general. And that is, first of all, we need to realize that how we handle death is really determined by how we view our future, okay? How we handle death is really determined by how we view our future, Uh, In other words, if you know as a believer what's going to happen when you die uh, and where you're going and how that's going to happen, then then uh, it's going to help, okay? It's going to help us. And uh, so I want to take a look here at Philippians chapter 1 and verses 21 to 23 when we talk, uh, just kind of reinforcing that how we see death determines our view of our future. So... um, Paul says, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I already don't know which is better, or I really don't know which is better. And then in verse 23, he says, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. And so, isn't this interesting? Do you see how Paul's view of death is like, uh, in a sense, bring it on, right? He's like, it would be far better because I know I'm going to be with Jesus himself. Uh, But he also knows God's not done with him yet because he's still here. And so uh, he's not saying, well, I'm I'm just going to take matters into my own hand. He's saying, no, this is not God's time. So while I'm here, I want to serve the Lord. And in his case, serving the Lord meant serving the people of God, right? Right. planting churches and ministering to the people that were planting the churches and, 
and so on. So he's, he's torn between the two. But just, you know, I, I think what we have there is just a, a healthy view of death as a Christian, right? There's this, uh, when, you, when you come to know Jesus as your Savior, um, and, you know, it doesn't take long for us uh, to realize, you know, things just aren't right in this world, right? <laughs> things are not as they should be, right? We, ha- we know that. And, uh, and also, um, as believers, we know that there's something better coming, and so it's like longing for that, right? Uh, you know how it is, like, if you, if you take vacations, that you look forward to the day when it's coming, right? And, uh, and this is just even so much better than that, right? You are looking forward to Christ's return, looking to be with Him, but as, as the Christian, uh, when we face death, or even when those close to us who are believers, you know, die in the Lord, uh, this is going to help us if we realize that, you know, really, uh, when someone who's a believer dies, they're with the Lord, uh, you know, and so, yes, we miss them, you know, and so on. That's a natural thing, uh, but but we just need to realize that uh, for the Christian, you know, this is, this is something that, uh, as you see Paul's angst, if you will, the torn between the two desires to be with the Lord or to remain here, uh, right? Uh, And that's just, I think, a good attitude to have, right, as a Christian. Now, the other thing I want to mention before we look at that 1 Thessalonians passage is death is not natural, okay? And uh, here's what I mean by that. We were not created to die, okay? Uh, So uh, the fact that we grieve death and the death of others around us uh, uh, makes sense, actually, because that's not the way things are supposed to be, all right? So um, we'll take a look here in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Uh, again, these are just a couple of points that kind of uh, set up just some important information, because I don't know if we all have the same frame of reference about these things. So uh, uh, here we go, Genesis chapter 2, 16. But the Lord God warned him, okay, warned Adam, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Okay, so, and uh, the rest is literally history, right? Uh, Adam uh, sinned, and um, they were kicked out of the garden, out of the presence of God, right? Uh, and so, but, but originally, right, uh, there was, you know, we were created to live forever, right? And so what's happening here is that, well, you know, when, they, when he sinned at that point, right, he didn't die immediately, right? But the clock started ticking, right? And uh, we've, uh, humankind has been dying ever since, right? And so this is a result of what we call the fall, the result of sin, uh, right, the, the sin. And, and Adam sinned, and we've been sinning ever since, okay? And so this sin has caused a separation between us and God, and you really get that picture of separation from God with Adam and Eve, right? When they sinned, um, they disobeyed God, they didn't trust Him, right, and what He said here about the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, he, he put them out of the garden. And in the garden, though, there was unhindered fellowship with God, right? Uh, and, and so 
just a perfect relationship with God. But then when, the, when sin came and they, they sinned, then he put them out of the garden. And it's just that physical separation, just a good uh, way of thinking about that there was a spiritual now separation from God. They didn't, this relationship with God was now broken, right? And so uh, I just want us to realize that, you know, when Adam sinned, um, the, you know, the entire universe, in a sense, was cursed, okay? In fact, if you read in the book of Romans, it talks about how creation is groaning, and it's looking forward to a restoration time when God will redeem everything, okay? Redeem creation. So, um, but it, it, it affected the entire universe, right? Suffering and death entered into his creation. The whole universe now suffers the effects in Romans 8, it says. So just realize that, you know, death uh, is not natural. And uh, we were not created to die, but because man sinned and, and we now are born with sin nature and we ourselves sin, this is just uh, the way it is. These are the consequences of that. Okay, so in other words, you kind of kind of know how we got here. How do we get to this place where death uh, was was now the norm, but uh, was not the way it was meant to be? Okay, so we we have to realize this, right? So now let's let's take a look here at the the passage in Thessalonians that you guys stood up and I read, um, and and one of the things that we're going to see in there is because death is not natural. Uh, grieving when someone dies is natural, right? I, I mentioned this, but did you catch that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13? Here's what it said. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. So, you know, I, I take away a couple things from that. That last, that last phrase. He says, I'm telling you, I want to tell you these things so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. First of all, that tells me grieving's fine. It's natural. We should grieve. He just says, as Christians, when your fellow brothers and sisters die, don't grieve as those who have no hope, okay? Because there is some, there is, in other words, that's not just, that's not it. In other words, when you die, that's, it's just not done, right? We're not just annihilated, if you will, okay? So now this letter, at least part of it, that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians was meant to correct some wrong thinking. They were starting to hear and believe this false teaching that when we die, that's it. In other words, the believers that they knew, they weren't going to see him again, that that was it, that they, they weren't going to see the return of Christ or experience that at all. There was going to be a resurrection uh, of the dead, okay? So, so this, is the, this is the issue Paul's addressing here. And so, you know, um, he's saying, don't grieve, you know, the loss of your Christian brothers and sisters um, because you're going to see them again, right? This is a, there's a, a Christian hope. Uh, because of the resurrection, right? So this is, this is Paul's response to this false belief that there is no resurrection, right? And he's saying it's okay to grieve. And so I, I think that's important for us to hear, right? That we got to realize, you know, it's, it's when, we, when we lose uh, brothers and sisters in Christ or whatever, we, 
it's just so natural to grieve the, the loss, right? And, um, and, uh, but the hope is, and, and I'll get into that word hope here in a little bit, is that, you know, we, you know they're, they're with the Lord, and we will see them again. And as he says here, um, uh, they'll, um, they'll meet the Lord in the air before we will, okay? Their bodies will come to life and, and so on. And so, uh, at any rate, uh, you know, let's talk about this Christian hope because I think this is important for us to understand this. So, so death wasn't, you know, death is not natural. It's, it, it has entered into the equation now because of sin. And uh, we're all experienced, uh, you know, unless the Lord comes back, we all will experience death, right? Um, uh, and so, the thing is, is that for the believer, then, there is, uh, there is this, uh, this Christian hope that is mentioned of here, you know, that Paul says, don't grieve as those who have no hope, because you do have hope. And so I'm going to spend most of our time here talking about this point here, that Christian hope is not a wish, okay? It's not a wish, but it is assurance, like, it, like, in other words, you know, when, when, when this word is used here, when Paul's talking about this, when he uses the word hope, he's not like saying that, you know, it's, it's a 90% thing, it's, that it's probably going to happen. No, he's like, no, this is 100%. It is sure to happen, as I have described it to you in this passage, okay? So you need to think when you hear hope in the context of this is assurance, Okay? It's a sure thing. Okay? It's something that will happen in, that, we, that we are looking forward to. Okay? That's much different than wishing and crossing your fingers and hoping I, hoping I you know, uh, hope the Lord, uh, I'm okay with the Lord, you know, and all this stuff. And, and, um, and so let's, uh, let's just kind of talk a little bit about this here. In, in this passage here, just to remind you, 1 Thessalonians um, 4.14, it says, since we, be- since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, stop. That's important. This is, this is the key, okay? Uh, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, we have no hope, okay? This is the truth. Paul himself said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, uh, we're wasting our time. That's a paraphrase, but he's like, you know, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. And that's it, right? But since Jesus has risen from the dead, we will one day too, okay? So that's why he says, since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again. And, and might I just say, if you're investigating Jesus and you're looking into Jesus, this is the thing that you must uh, answer, you know, did Jesus rise from the dead? Because if he did, and we believe he did, okay, then it, that changes everything, okay? You can argue about a lot of different things, but that's the core issue, okay? So, you know, I, I can help you get cut right to the chase, deal with Jesus' resurrection, okay? That's, that's the key. And so it says here, um, since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, okay, so if you didn't know that, Jesus is coming back, okay? He is coming back. He is returning, okay? And it says, 
We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Okay. So he's like, he's kind of putting to rest their, their, uh, the, the false beliefs they were starting to uh, believe that, you know, that was it. When those believers died, that's it. So he's going to be bringing back the believers who have gone on, who have died, okay? He'll be bringing them back. Okay, now their bodies are, you know, we know their bodies are, you know, whatever. If they were in the ground, if they were buried, they or you know. But see, the thing is, is that, um, and we'll see this here in a little bit, their, um, the, their spirit's going to be reunited with that body. They're going to have a glorified body, right? Okay, so, uh, but that just, doesn't that blow your mind? Okay, but the thing is, don't you realize that, you know, Jesus, you know, he, it says uh, in the Bible that Jesus, he was involved in creating everything. And it also says in Colossians, I believe, that he holds everything together. That's amazing, right? right? And you, you, you look under a microscope and you see, you know, atoms and all these things, and, 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 and you, you can study that stuff, and we can learn, we've learned a lot of things, but, you know, uh, Jesus is holding all that together. In other words, if he, if he wants to reassemble a body from atoms that have, you know, changed into something else, he can do it, okay? It's not a problem. If God created out of nothing, okay, and, and by the way, you know, so, okay, so I'm not a scientist, okay, so I'm probably venturing out of my, out of my uh, comfort zone here, but, you know, as I understand it, you know, um, all the matter that's ever been is all the matter that will ever be, right? Right? So I think that there's a law about that, okay? And so, uh, so all the atoms of all the people that have died that have changed into something else, you know, and I know that sounds strange or maybe sounds kind of, you know, yucky, but, I, but I'm just thinking that's real, okay? You have those questions, don't you? I do. I'm like, you know, how's God got to do that? I don't know, but if he can create out of nothing, he can certainly recreate out of something that was already there. Does that make sense? Okay, so, um, uh, you know, so God, that's not a problem for God, okay? Uh, and so, uh, so, so God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So he's like, listen, guys, this is our hope because Jesus rose from the dead these bodies of the, of the ones who have gone before you, uh, who have gone to be with the Lord, right? Their, their spirit is with the Lord, but they're going to be reunited with their bodies. Somehow God's going to do that, and they'll have glorified bodies, okay? Whether, you, won't, you know, they won't have to have knee replacements, okay? They'll have the best knees they ever had, you know, and all that. I'm just, because I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to running again, okay? Uh, or playing basketball, because I don't like to run for nothing. Okay, I just, that's kind of what's always my thing. My dad, I probably got it from my dad. Every time we, we, we drive down the road in his truck and he's, he saw this runner coming towards him, he says, I've never seen a happy runner. And I said, just, I've never seen it. So I'm like, anyway, okay. That really was going to change your life right there, I'm sure. But, but anyway, you know, that just the whole idea of that God's going to bring back those who have died in the Lord. You know, and um, that's something that we, we hope in and we know will happen, okay? Uh, verse 15 there, uh, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, 
when the Lord returns, okay, now this is getting interesting, right? He's just talking about, he's talking about the people who have died in the Lord. Now he's going to say those who are living when Jesus returns will, uh, says, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Um, and then he says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel. And so there shouldn't be any, uh, you know, you get all these ideas that it says the voice of the archangel with the trumpet call of God. You just get the idea of like, nobody's going to miss this thing, okay? Uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, we're not going to miss the return of Jesus, okay? Uh, it says, first, the believers who have died will rise from their graves, then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Holy mackerel. What will that be like? I mean, you know, we're going to find out if we're here when the Lord comes back, right, that those who are still alive will be translated to be with the Lord there. Uh, and uh, now, I'm not going to go into the end time stuff on this because there's some different views on do we go away and then come back, or we just join them in the air, and then come right back, okay? That's a whole other conversation, okay? I don't mind having it, but we don't have time for that today, okay? Uh, so <laughs> I can see the wheels turning over here. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. These are great questions. Yeah, the end result is the same. doesn't really matter how the order of things. I totally agree with that. Yeah, that's a good way to resolve that. Okay, good. So there's no more questions. Good day. <laughs> All right, so it says, then we will be with the Lord forever. I like that. Yeah, that's good news. We'll be with him forever, okay? And so verse 18, this is no surprise. So encourage one another with these words, right? This is um, so many times I do read this at, you know, a Christian funeral, right? Because we need to be reminded uh, that, no, this this believer here, this is what's going to happen. We're going to see them again. Uh, we'll be united with them, right? And as long as we're believers too, we'll be united with them, right, in the air with the Lord, and uh, we'll we'll all be with the Lord forever. And so uh, he says, you know, encourage one another with these words. Don't he, he's again trying to dispel the lies that they were starting to believe, which would be totally discouraging if you knew you were not going to see them again, right? So um, now. Uh, what I'd like to do is, um, is just to kind of look at some other passages in Scripture that reinforce this hope, okay? So this is, you know, this one passage, and I know we have not done, again, I wasn't getting, my whole intention was not going to get into the whole order and end times thing. I wanted to talk about death and the assurance of, of life, okay, um, and, that, and, and how things were going to happen in that way. So I want to look at some other passages, though, that really you can really, um, you know, you can count on, you can count on the whole Bible, but when it comes to this assurance, okay, this Christian hope of what happens when we die, and that you can really bank on this, okay? So, um, uh, I don't have them on the screen, but so you might want to jot them down. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Did you get that connection there again with the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and that we have a living hope, okay? Um, it's real, it's vibrant, uh, and it is this biblical concept of hope we were talking about. It's an assurance. Verse 4 there, it says in 1 Peter 1, to an inheritance. So we're, 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 we're born again, and we can look forward to an inheritance, Right? Uh, it says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, all those descriptors just give you this idea. It, it's solid. It's locked in. Nothing can change it, right? It's like, you know, you're, you're, uh, when, when you put your faith in Jesus... It says that you receive eternal life, okay? You, you, you know, it starts then, in a sense, for you, right? And so, so this, is, this is it, as it says, you know, and, and, and we won't realize it fully, of course, until we're uh, with the Lord forever, but this is the promise, is that nothing is going to take away your re- reservation in heaven, okay? You can't, nobody can cancel it, Okay? Uh, and so, so once you've put your faith in Jesus, uh, that inheritance in heaven, uh, you know, eternal life with the Lord is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, right? Uh, who, it says in verse 5, who by God's power, this is, this is how God's power on the life of a believer, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, right? That's the culmination of our salvation, right? Is when we're with the Lord forever, right? So those should, those should be encouraging words for us. There's assurance there, right? It's, it's, a, it's a sure thing. This is our living hope, as it says, right? Now, take a look in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Again, you know, our beliefs should be based on the Word of God, right? Not on somebody's ideas, but uh, what God says in His Word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 6 to 8, and then jump down to verse 18. So 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 6. Now, you, um, again, I know we're kind of jumping around here a little bit. It's helpful for you to know that this letter would have been like, as far as we could tell, the last letter that Paul wrote, okay, Second Timothy, all right? And so he, he knows he's going to die, okay? He knows this is the end. So here's what he says, Second Timothy 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. That's what I'm saying. He knows that this is it. Um, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And uh, that's some good challenge to us, right? Keep going on for the Lord. Uh, And then it says, verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so, he, again, he's, he's looking forward to the day when the Lord comes back, and he's like, you know, anyone who loves the Lord's appearing, which you would think would be his people, 
okay, they're going to receive, it says here, this crown of righteousness. I don't really know what that is. Maybe it's just our salvation. You know, maybe it's just the the full realization of our salvation. I don't know. It's a guess. Um, Now, down to verse 18, 2 Timothy 4. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's security, okay? For every believer, he says, the Lord will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. You as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're putting your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins, you have a real relationship with God through Jesus, he will take you safely to the heavenly kingdom, okay? It's a sure thing. Now, um, let's go to 2 Corinthians, because I, I just want you to realize there's so much in the Bible that gives us this assurance, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan. Okay, do you get the idea of what the tent is? What is it? It's our bodies. I tell you what, my tent's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of feeling a little dilapidated. I don't know about yours, but anyway, so this, this is, is kind of like, he, he's kind of saying, hey, you know, it's, it's um, looking forward to the eternal dwelling and his new body, right? So in in verse 3 there, he says, If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Verse 4, For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God and has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. There's another hope word, like a, a, a fix it. He's given us his spirit as a guarantee that we are his children and he will bring us home, okay? And so, um, verse six, so we are always of good courage. So he's like, you know, he, he's acknowledging the pain of this life, even in his own body, right? He's acknowledging that. And he's like, you know, the pain that I have, it reminds me that I'm gonna have a better body, it reminds me that this is not the way it was meant to be. It reminds me that this all will be done away with one day, um, and things will be made right the way they should be, right? So he says, yes, at verse 8, we are of good courage, and we would rather, listen, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Did you catch that? When you're not in the body, you're with the Lord. Okay, so I think that's a clear indicator that when the believer dies, right, their body's in the ground or whatever, then, but they're with the Lord. Okay, their, their spirit is with the Lord. Okay, like that. Okay, um, I don't. There's nothing in the scriptures that talks about, you know, soul sleep and that 
that, you know, you're kind of like this in this uh, asleep state uh, uh, in your soul until the resurrection. There's no indication like that whatsoever, okay? It's just, we have, Paul tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, okay? And so, uh, it, that's, that's what's happening. It's what he's looking forward to. He says here, uh, what's interesting though, again, yes, he, 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 he um, longs for that, but he's like, I, I like this because in verse 9 he says, so whether we are at home, right, um, meaning in our bodies or away with the Lord, we may make it our aim to please him. I find that really encouraging because it also just says that while I'm here, okay, if I'm still here, he's not done with me yet. He's got stuff for us to do, right? And so what we ought to do is have a mindset of just saying, I want to live a life that pleases the Lord. Well, how do we find that out? Well, here we go, right? This is our life's study here is to find out what the will of God is and say what he, learn what he has said, you know? Uh, and so, uh, and, and then we can learn what it is to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord, right? Because uh, that's what we ought to be about. Uh, and, and, and on the heels of saying that verse 9 there, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, here's what he says. He's like, here's why I want to do that. Verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Right? So that's, you know, we'll, there is a, you know, he's saying there is an evaluation, right? And uh, of course, uh, for the Christian, the evaluation is not whether you're going to go to heaven or hell because Christ has purchased, uh, in a sense, your ticket if you've put your faith in him, okay? It's just about, you know, the rewards, you know, and as Paul describes in another place in Scripture, right, in that evaluation, the things that we did that didn't amount to anything are kind of burned up. It says like wood, hay, or straw, uh, but the things that remain gold so will be like gold and silver and, be ref- you know, they'll remain right? And so then we would be rewarded according to that. I don't know how all that's going to happen, but those are some of the ways Paul describes it, right? So he says, now, there, there is, it's, um, and this is kind of just speaks to the whole idea of somebody saying, well, you know, if you're telling me that, you know, if I just need to put my faith in Jesus to become a Christian and have eternal life, then why don't I just receive in them and just do whatever I want? Well, because he's saying, well, uh, there is an evaluation, right? Uh, and plus, if I have the Spirit of God in me, He's going to convict me and really tell me and, and make me kind of think about, why well, I really do want to do what pleases Him, even though it is a battle, right? So, so there, there we have just more and more assurance uh, of what's going to happen, right? And so, so you kind of, when you start um, ha- seeing all these different places in the Scripture where He talks about what's going to happen, you get you you get the, the 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 idea that when the believer dies, right, their body's in the ground or whatever, then they then they their spirit is in, is instantly with the Lord, right, and then at a future date on his return, somehow you know he will he will he will raise all those dead bodies up and 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 and, and they'll be reunited uh, with the bot with their bodies and then they'll be glorified. They won't have all the ailments and all the former things, right. And so, and then we will be forever with the Lord. Um, and so, uh, what I want to do here, just in, in kind of uh, concluding, is just to talk about um, 
your eternal state has to do with whatever you've done with Jesus, right? And um, you can know for certain uh, if you have eternal life, okay? And I, I just want to read a few verses for you because um, this hope we're talking about, this Christian hope, this assurance of eternal life and being with the Lord forever um, is something that you can, can be a reality in your life if you put your faith in Jesus, okay? Now, 1 John chapter 5. So this is one of the letters the Apostle John wrote. 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 11. So I'm going to read 11 to 13. Listen to what the Apostle John says. He says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Okay, now stop right there. So much good stuff right there, right? He says, in other words, this is a, you think about a testimony, like it's a rec, it's on the record, it's in the court, right? It can, it's, it's what was said, and this is what is said by God. He says that God has given us eternal life. Okay, so that right there tells you, and you should know from other parts of scriptures, you cannot earn eternal life. It's not something that you could ever amass enough good deeds to, to earn it. It's a gift, okay? But it is a gift that must be received. And we talked about this in our membership class yesterday, just how that, you know, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he died for our sins because he, he committed no sin, okay? And so he hung up on that cross dying as our substitute, right? Because it's our sin, right, that he's dying for, right? Uh, and so because one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to receive the payment that Jesus made for your sin on the cross, or you will pay the penalty for your sin, right, eternally away from God in hell, okay? That's, I know that's not a popular message today, but that is a true message, okay? And so and that's what the Scripture tells us, okay? So, so the thing is, is that he says, though, God gives us eternal life. It's a gift, right? You must, you must receive it, right? If I have $100 here and I hold it out, well, I got the two Chris's here. I hold it out and say, if I had 100 bucks, well, it's a gift, but guess what? They got to take it from me, right? They have to reach out and say, I want it. And that's the connection I didn't make until I was about 19, was I believed everything that people, what the Bible said about Jesus. I believed he was the son of God. I believe he rose again from the dead. I believe the Bible was the word of God. I I mean, I, I was at all, every VBS our church had. I was, but the thing was, so seeds were planted, okay? But I did not, for some reason, and, and our Baptist church definitely had some altar calls, I remember it, but I did not make that connection that I needed to receive the gift, that Jesus was out there holding it out, saying, look what I've done for you. Uh, I've, I, I've died in your place. i I will forgive your sin if you will accept my payment, what I did. And, you know, you know to accept, receive it, you've got to see that you've got a need to have it, right? So once you realize you have a need to have it, and I realized that, and I realized that I had to reach out and get it and ask for it, uh, then, then that changed everything, okay? And, uh, and, and that's the way it works, right? When, when people... When people, uh, God's drawing them to himself, they, they, they get it, they start getting it, they get who Jesus really is, and they, they get what he did on the cross, and they, and they realize, oh, that has implications for my life. How am I going to respond, right? What Jesus did on the cross 
demands a response, right? And sitting on the fence is, there's only two responses, okay? You either receive it or you reject it. And sitting on the fence is rejecting it, okay? Okay, you don't get points for like, maybe, okay? You either believe Jesus says who he is and you receive his gift of eternal life and acknowledge your sin to God, or you don't. Now, I, that said, I understand investigating. I understand looking to see, you know, is this a reasonable faith? I'm not down on that. But just saying, you know, at any, you know, Paul said, he said, I no longer regard any man uh, as, I don't look, look at them as a, as a, as a physical being. I, I really look and say there's either the saved and there's the lost. That's a paraphrase. But he's like, I no longer see people this way. He says, every person I see, they either know the Lord or they don't. So think about that. In the verse that I read here, it says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, Jesus. Jesus is where eternal life is. you got to know Jesus. That's the whole thing. He says, whoever has the Son, S-O-N, meaning Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. This is not, you know, rocket science. He's saying you either know Jesus and receive him as Savior or you don't. You either have eternal life or you don't. And he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. In other words, you can have that assurance. You can know, right? And the question is, do you know? Do you have that assurance? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you, have you received his gift of forgiveness and eternal life? Right? Because to have and experience the Christian hope we're talking about, that we look forward to, right, in eternity, you must have the Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. It's very simple. And so, uh, and I'm, I thank God it's not complicated, okay? And so this morning, I just urge you, if, if there's a question in your mind about whether you know Jesus, would you just ask him, admit to him your sin and your need for a Savior, and just acknowledge that Jesus is it. There's not multiple ways to God. Jesus is it, because it, that's what it says, because it says here that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in many paths. It doesn't say that. This life is in His Son. Okay? So, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that You have um, given believers this wonderful assurance that we call Christian hope after physical death. And so, Lord, I just want to pray, Lord, that, uh, you know, if we know any believers who are facing the reality of the brevity of life right now, that you would grant them courage and grant them uh, just a remembrance of this wonderful Christian hope that we have.
that Jesus has purchased eternal life for all who believe in him. Lord, help us to uh, to just have this right view of what's what happens to the believer when they when they die. This can help us who remain behind when we when other ones go on before us, go to you before us, and and uh, it can also help us as we face uh, death possibly um, before you come back. Thank you for the scripture that we have that Paul wrote that just tells us how this is going to go down, that the dead in Christ will rise first, that will then, whoever remains uh, as believers, will meet them in the air and be with the Lord forever. Wonderful words of encouragement, Lord. Let us, as, as Paul said there in Thessalonians, Lord, let us encourage one another with these words. And Lord, let this too motivate us to, out of love, want to spread the gospel so that others and as many as possible will have eternal life with the Lord. So, Lord, thank you for this, this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.